You're listening to Fresh Out of Experts. A show that mines the rich archive of Reddit to supply you with advice on dating, relationships, and love. My co-host Eleanor and I are not experts. We're merely people who survived dating in our 20s and 30s. Now that we're married, we want to share what we've learned. In each episode, my co-host Andy and I tackle the most common, comical, and when we're lucky, outlandish questions from r slash dating and more. So find a comfortable chair, pull on a warm sweater, and sip your favorite beverage while you listen to us dig into the stickiest dating questions the internet has to offer. All right. I'm super excited to welcome our guest for this episode. Chris Chafin is the host of 30 Years Later, a podcast about movies from 30 years ago this week. He's also a journalist whose writing has appeared in Vox, Vulture, and Rolling Stone. He is also a friend of mine. (laughs) Welcome, Chris. (laughs) Thank you so much. And you know, it's funny because I did write that introduction for myself and I I should have put that I was your friend first, but I didn't even include it. That was an ad lib. I know. I I didn't know if you remembered that we were friends. I was like, okay, (laughs) I'll just remind him on mic and then he'll be forced to recall this friendship. He'll be forced to pretend that he knows who I am and it'll be very awkward. (laughs) Yeah. No, of course I remember. I was actually very excited for you to invite me on the show. It's so nice to talk to you. I mean, you've lived on the other side of the country for 20 years now. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I've also aged 20 years since I last saw you. No, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's, been, it's probably been like a decade, though, because we we hung out in Brooklyn. You're still in Brooklyn. It probably has been. Yes, I'm still in Brooklyn. Not only am I still in Brooklyn, I live in the same apartment I always lived in. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Yes. Chris, we uh, always like to involve our guests in the first round of questioning. Wedding season is coming up, and I wanted to ask Chris how he feels about weddings in general. Do you like them? Just in general, just like off the dome. Like, how do I feel about weddings? Yeah. What are your first thoughts on a wedding? Like, if you got a, if you got invited to a wedding in July, well, I have to tell you that um, actually one of the best things I ever wrote in terms of getting like actual response from people that I respected was this thing I wrote many years ago about. How at the time I had never been invited to anyone's wedding. <laughs> How old were you? Dark. Oh, I was like 32, maybe. <laughs> like, no, Chris, you had to have been amazing. invited to a that's, wedding. That's you live in Brooklyn. That's like that's uh, what's it called? Hasn't hit yet. The wave. The wave. Yeah. Well, yeah. So this was many years ago, and and the wave has hit hard now. And I have been to many, many weddings since I wrote that that piece. But at the time, it was so strange because I was like. You see, it's such a big thing in movies and in culture, right? People going to people's weddings and having to buy outfits for it. And it was just like completely alien to my experience. Like, I just remembered being at like my, my brother and my sister's wedding, which were both like kind of weird. And I was like 10 years old, you know, or younger than that. Yeah. And so they were very boring. And I grew up in Florida. So they were very hot. And I also remember getting yelled at at my sister's wedding by her now mother-in-law. Because I was like, wasn't allowed to use the bathroom in the house. Whoa. Like the reception was in the backyard of the in-laws house. But there was like, you were supposed to go to some other bathroom. And it was like, I mean, not yelled at, but told off. Like, oh, you can't be in here. You have to go there. Reprimanded. Disciplined. Yeah. (laughs) So mostly, I guess I have negative associations with weddings. I mean, I liked my wedding. My wedding was nice. Did you guys have a big one or or did you elope? So my brother has a big, nice house in Florida and like kind of a nice, hilly, tree-filled part of Florida. So we had it there. And he his garage looks like a barn. And so we were like, oh, good. We'll have the reception in there. And he was like, 
in my garage? <laughs> like, what are you? <laughs> You're like, but the people are paying like tens of thousands of dollars to be in your garage for their weddings in New England. Right. Yeah. To have like a barn wedding. Right. You know, we just had to spend like two solid days cleaning oil spills off the ground and like <laughs> getting rid of the cobwebs and stuff. And then we just basically had like a big outdoor dinner party. It sounded like you had quite a vision for your wedding. Did you ever, when you were growing up, did you like know what kind of a wedding you wanted to have? Never thought about it at all. No, no, I never, ever thought about it. And also, I I don't know, like it just seemed like sort of a weird thing that you would like get married <laughs> as a kid. Like yeah. I was like, I can't imagine that happening. You know, Um, did you, did you think about your wedding? Yeah. No, never. I never wanted, um, I, I always thought about having a wedding at a courthouse. I, I never wanted to be married until I was probably like 30, 32, I think is when I was like, oh, this I see some some benefits in being married. <laughs> Eleanor, what about you? Yeah, of course. I, I dreamed of my wedding since I was a little girl. Just what like, was it? I mean, it just it changed every two years, you know, like the new new wedding magazines came out and then, you know, new I re-engaged the dream in a new way. But yeah. Oh my God. Interesting. So when you when you go to weddings, do you dance? It depends. It depends on the wedding, on the situation. Like I had a good friend of mine's wedding was like a big dance party. It was a lot of fun. At my wedding, like my aunt got everybody high and nobody <laughs> was dancing really. They were just kind of sitting around and <laughs> perfect eating cake and like chit chatting. <laughs> you know? Did you did you know of the uh, dosing as it was occurring? No, she she just kept taking people back to her van with her to smoke pot. So like not everyone but a, a lot yeah. of people this aunt sounds awesome yeah she's cool she sounds aunt like laura yeah Love she's great aunt. Uh, my enjoyment of weddings went fell off a cliff when i stopped drinking that's like the only time i don't necessarily want to drink at weddings it's not like a thing like i'm like triggered by it but i definitely am like weddings kind of suck now that i'm sober and it's i think it's because of dancing i don't really want to dance when i'm sober it's hard it's it's like not that much fun to like go out and dance your your feet off well also if you're if you're totally sober a wedding is just like you're being forced to make small talk with somebody's weird relatives that you will never ever see again in your life uh, yes. you know yeah i mean we did have we did, went to a wedding this summer in brooklyn our good friend josh gee got married at the botanical oh, garden oh wow House, very nice that's right very nice. so but I didn't know anybody. And so we're like trying to make friends with people and we try to get people. We're like, we're going to be the cool table. And within 30 seconds of deciding we were the cool table, the table behind us was taking shots and like <laughs> laughing hysterically through. And being like wildly rude. They were being <laughs> wild. They were being the cool table. Hellions. And we kept looking at each other being like, come on, like we, we got it in us. And none of we're us like, had oh, it in us to be. We're all as too unruly. good of people to be the cool table. We were, I mean, and I realized like, wedding. I think I may have graduated from the cool table. <laughs> well, it's funny that you guys started off thinking you were the cool table and very quickly became like the table who's like, Okay, guys, we all like to have fun, but keep it down a little bit, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. We were, we're like, oh my God, they're so rude. Okay, so I'm going to kick us off with a question from a Redditor. And this is not a wedding specific question. This is what happens post-wedding. The problems that arise post-wedding. Uh-oh. User psychological underscore pin 184 writes, 
My husband and I took a month-long honeymoon to Cancun, where my husband's parents own a home. While staying in his family's home, we heard a knock at the front door, and upon opening it, I saw my father-in-law, who said, surprise. My husband is a very non-confrontational and respectful son, so he did not share his feelings on the situation with his father. However, I felt a need to share my opinion. So after spending approximately 24 hours with my father-in-law in Cancun, I told my husband that I would like to move our honeymoon to an Airbnb, which we were planning to do in a couple of days anyway. My husband agreed and we left. I have since had both my father-in-law and mother-in-law bring up my rudeness in the situation and tell me that I am far too sensitive. In response, I explained that I believe it's inappropriate to show up at someone else's honeymoon unannounced, regardless of whether you own the property or how long the honeymoon is. There are two main arguments. I actually find it worse that he owns the property since I felt that I could not say no. I should add that this is not the first time that I felt my in-laws have acted oblivious to what I believe are very basic boundaries, nor is it the first time they have told me that I am much too sensitive and cause drama. Please tell me, am I the asshole? Wow. (laughs) Just wow, I would have to say. This is a this is a sticky situation because we've got honeymoon and in-laws and they're both <laughs> ripe for disruption in a relationship. So let's just the first question, Chris, is she being too sensitive? Oh my God, of course not. I mean, what are you out of your mind? This is like something that would be in like a 90s. This is like something that happens in there's something about Mary. But like This is like li- literally from Meet the Fockers. Like your in-laws are going to show up to your honeymoon without telling you they're coming. I mean, this is what I would say is my first question, though, if we're being real. Did the husband know and he just didn't say anything? Mm. Because she says right away that he's non-confrontational. So, like, I'm sure he knew it would make her mad. That's a valid question. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, guys? Do you think he had any advanced knowledge that this was going to happen or not? Andy? I think it's entirely possible, yeah. I think that even if he did not have advanced knowledge that this explicit moment was going to occur, he could have suspected. He knows that. Right. Well, because this is like, there's this rule in improv, right? Like I did, I live in Brooklyn. I have taken UCB classes. It's actually legally required. (laughs) And they always say like, it's not the first time, like whatever character thing you're doing, it's funnier if you react like they do it all the time. And so like with this thing, it's like, if you're going to show up to your your adult son's honeymoon unannounced, like your entire life has been like this, you know, you're doing things like this constantly. Yes. Yes. And I was going to I was going to say that for her, even before we got to the last paragraph where you meant where she mentions like this isn't the first time they do shit like this. I was like, oh, she already is sick of their bullshit. (laughs) So, Chris, how would you react in this situation? Oh, my God. If you if this were the situation, are you the type of person to like be direct and explicit or would you have tabled the conversation for well, like here's what i'll say first i mean there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff to talk about in this like one of them is that they are having a month-long honeymoon in cancun which is pretty wild and like incredibly privileged at a property that your her parents her husband's parents own so there's a you know, there's some class issues going on here for these <laughs> these people on a month-long honeymoon at their family's house in Cancun that probably costs like $10 million. So, well, this is what I'm going to say. This is, and this is why I bring this stuff up. If I knew that I was on a month-long honeymoon and I knew that I was only staying at my in-law's house for like three or four days and then I was going on to the rest of the honeymoon... I would be really pissed and I would talk to my partner and I would say like, what the fuck? Like, why are they doing this? 
I don't think I would get in a big fight with them. I would probably do passive aggressive stuff. I would be like, wow. <laughs> Way to admit for it. I wasn't expecting you. Wow. Or I'd be like, hey, or and just every day, every day during the honeymoon they were there, I would be like, oh, well, we have plans because we didn't know you were coming. We'll see you back here at like midnight. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a good point in the sense that this, you know that you're going to somebody's vacation house. Do you think that that changes anything, Andy? In a, in a way, I still think that number one, nobody wants to be surprised on their honeymoon, whatever the honeymoon is or how long it is or whose house you're staying in. I, I really do think that like, that's not the time for surprises. Parents on a honeymoon. I mean, everybody knows that the honeymoon is for sex. Like everybody, that is the whole point of the yeah. honeymoon. And just not for parents. Parents, parents and parents-in-law are not welcome, no matter what kind of deluded... I don't know, way of you trick yourself into thinking that you are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're definitely indulging, right? A month is an indulgent period of time. We took, we like didn't have a real wedding. And then we went on a two week vacation for our honeymoon, right? So we just like ported over that money. And I will say that felt really indulgent. It was indulgent. I mean, it was indulgent. Well, where'd you where'd you crazy kids go? Costa Rica. Oh, we went to Costa Rica. Nice. <laughs> very nice. For two weeks. Did you like travel around Costa Rica or did you stay in one place? We did like a week in uh, Monteverde, which is in the mountains. And then we did a week in Nosara, which was on the beach. It was amazing. I mean, yeah, we had a great, great time. That sounds great. That sounds really great. <laughs> did you guys do a honeymoon? Yeah, we spent two weeks in Thailand. So that is what we did. What I'm saying is two weeks for a honeymoon, totally normal. Four weeks? What are you talking about? That's completely crazy. Right. Yeah, like, that's... did you have to take like a leave from your job? <laughs> or do jobs. you even have jobs? Like, where, where, are, you, where are you going to get started? Did you have to hire cover for your... Like... I understand that there's there's something to be said for when you're at your in-laws house and they this is their property and I, I to some degree would have to say if you really did not want this situation to happen like you got to spend the money to yeah. be on your own yeah you're on their turf a little bit you're on their turf a little bit what obviously is problematic is that there seems to be like a weird my husband's not confrontational so he's not handling the situation now I'm the bad guy <laughs> Like, yeah. what team is he on? Because he could easily be like, I don't really mind my family being here, but like, I will not yeah. make you feel like you're crazy while I'm also not making them feel like they're crazy. Yeah, I definitely am seeing a lot of like wealthy people, interfamilial drama going on here that like, do you know what I mean? Or And obviously he's enjoying benefits that of things his parents own all the time, like, for example, this house in Cancun. Again, this can't be the first time. Like, he must have all kinds of things that they pay for. They want to, they are giving him their house for free for their honeymoon. And then, like, surprise, they want to show up. It's kind of like he has to just like eat it because he's getting so much yeah. stuff from them that it's like they, they are in charge. Mm. They get to do whatever they want, you know? It's also why I think they say the wife causes drama. I think what they mean is nobody in our lives disagrees with us except nobody. You. Nobody sets boundaries because we are the ones who control what everyone does. Exactly. And I do think there is for sure an underlying thing here that's basically like the husband has cultivated this type of behavior or, or has cultivated a world where this type of behavior flies. Yeah. And this is a big sticking point for them is that she's not down with that. 
you know, he's non-confrontational. I take that as she has boundaries and he doesn't stand up for her boundaries with their parents. So I will say, I was saying before, this is like something out of a TV show. This is literally what happens on the White Lotus, I think. <laughs> Isn't, did you guys watch that show? I, like, I didn't watch it, but I do recall that that couple, like the, the mother swoops in. It's Molly Shannon. Yeah, she shows up. It's not, it's it's in Hawaii, but she has paid for the vacation at this resort. Ugh. And then she shows up and is like, I thought I'd get myself a room too. When in-laws are concerned, Whose responsibility is it to to communicate? I mean, it's the it's the one who's actually their kid's responsibility to communicate to them, even if you don't agree with the things your partner is saying. I mean, I have certainly said things to my mother on behalf of girlfriends of mine that I didn't believe and I disagreed with, but I was like, it's for her and she's here in this environment and I, I have to be the one to advocate for her. I 100% yeah. think that it's the kid's responsibility. Full agree. You're the one who has to set a buffer between your family and your relationship. Obviously, it's part of the partner's job to figure out what the, the buffer should be and your job to figure out what the buffer, but it doesn't sound like there's any buffer here. Okay, so you guys tell me not to like hijack the show, but this is a very quick detour, okay? <laughs> hijack away. Hijack away. It's related to the question and what we're all talking about. So an old girlfriend of mine, uh, one time she was home with me at, at my parents' house. And she, my mom at some point had said like, oh, do you want me to do a load of laundry for you? Because we had a bunch of dirty clothes in a bag or something. And I, and I was like, oh, yeah, sure. That, that would be great. Thanks. And my girlfriend took me into the, the bedroom we were sharing. And she was like, what are you doing? I don't want your mom doing laundry for us. And I was like, oh, okay, why? I just let her do the laundry. And she was like, I don't want her like touching my underwear. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll just say like, don't <laughs> do the underwear or something. Don't, don't sniff my girlfriend's don't underwear. Don't sniff the undies, mom. Like what, what did she think was going to happen? But then the thing was, I got, I got distracted and I didn't <laughs> say anything. And then my mom did do the laundry. She And my girlfriend was so mad. She was like yelling at me. And my parents' house is not that big. And my mom could hear. And my mom started crying because she felt like she wasn't good enough for this girlfriend. And like... It was a whole, cr and the girlfriend was so mad at me. She was so mad at me about this. And I, but I, I was like, who fucking cares? Dude, it's just, she's just a mom. Like, let her do laundry, you know? There's like two scenarios. And I, I agree with you both that in either the logical, rational scenario where your partner saying, hey, they crossed this boundary. This is a totally rational boundary. And like, we need to set it, keep it firm. Right. And the other, which sounds like this scenario, which is, this is a pretty irrational boundary, she said. And like, right. you still want to advocate because you care about them. And like, you're trying to build a unit. In my first marriage, I married into a Japanese family, which is like, a mm -hmm. you know, traditionally pretty patriarchal. I grew up in with a single mother. I am not great with the patriarchy. Like I have... <laughs> it's really popular these days. So I feel like that's got to be bad for you. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been a struggle. And I remember going into this family and we lived at my in-laws in college for about nine months. Went like, like maybe a couple months into us living there, I was at dinner with my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, maybe two brother-in-laws, my husband, myself, like a huge family dinner. And I was done eating my meal. I mean, I'm like sitting there, everyone's been eating, people are still chatting. But you know, in my household, you know, there was no boundary around like getting up from the table. I got up from the table and I pick up my plate. And my father-in-law is like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm done. 
He's like, no, you're not. You don't leave the table till I tell you leave the oh table. Oh my God. And I looked at him and I took the plate over to the garbage disposal <laughs> and I shoveled all the rest of my food into the garbage disposal <laughs> and I put my plate down and I said, I'm done. <laughs> there's a part of me that obviously thinks like, well, one, that was very childish, but there was a part of me that was like... <laughs> Obviously, I want my partner to stand up for me in that moment, but also like I need to stand up for me in that moment. Like yeah, this is right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I don't need another man coming in and telling me here, let me protect your boundaries. Like I need to establish these boundaries because this person just like clearly is like gendering the boundary, which yeah. I I just had no patience for. That's so crazy too, because I I agree that it's rude to get up before everybody's done at dinner. But at the same time, <laughs> when like, he said like, you don't get up till I tell you to get up. That's when he I was like, oh no, no, no. Now he's wrong. I am so etiquette centric. Like Andy knows, like I'll go, yeah. like you don't do that in public. You don't do that. Like I have all these stupid requirements that are, you know, Emily posting the world. She is the Japanese father. Of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I genuinely, I was like, I know this is not that. This is not a power struggle about good or evil or even the elders and the youngins. Like this feels like a gendered moment of I am yes. the patriarch of this family. And like, you will play by my rules. And like a power. Like he yeah. was just trying to exert power. And I mean, everyone, that's, like, that, that's rude. Yeah, everyone was completely silent. Yeah, to some degree, I was like pretty annoyed that my ex, you know, didn't, I don't know, maybe be more vocal in that moment. But I also was like, this is not this is not fun moment for anyone. I don't want this moment to continue. Yeah. I don't want everyone getting into an argument about like the fact that I threw out the rest of my fi- like it just. Yeah, right. She sort of needs to have a voice in this relationship as well. Yeah. Th- that's I, I think that's interesting. And I'd like to get your perspective, Eleanor, because I have a family that is not like big on boundaries or respecting people's boundaries like we're we're just like we're like a close family and we love each other and we have a lot of fun together but like boundaries aren't always super well respected and it could probably be pretty intimidating for a spouse to come into my family so i'm curious as to you know what your experience with that is <laughs> well we have gotten into arguments about it for sure <laughs> like i mean like when you're building a relationship you kind of, you're like you're navigating the two of you and how you want to show up in new areas. And I think the only time we've ever gotten into arguments is where I've been like, this is a moment where I feel as though you're not putting us first. You're putting this old historic dynamic first. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which, okay. Like it's I, kind of like what you think. This totally. is you're the, this you're the youngest in your, your family. And often you just get like consumed by the decisions yeah. that they're making. And I'm like, we can make our own. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're like adults. Yeah. And, and like, we can do that. in fairness to this red, to the original poster, this isn't her house in Cancun. Like she does get to have some boundaries that she should be able to establish with the parent. It, she doesn't have to inherit the weird relationship her husband has with his parents. I, but I think that's, unrealistic because when you marry someone i mean you just are marrying into their family dynamics you know like it's it, it is it's it's in a way crazier to expect your adult husband who has acted the same way around his parents his entire life to suddenly change everything about that relationship because you got married it's more like you should have clocked what their relationship was and either been okay with it or not very good point 
You you marry your spouse's family. You just do. I mean, that's just what it is. My wife's family is very nice and I like them a lot. But historically, like this is just true for my entire life. I'm such a hypocrite because I always make my partner spend a lot of time with my family. But I'm like so bad about spending time with with their families. I'm wondering how you guys are with that. If you're... Well, I have a quick follow up. Why? Why is that the dynamic? Why? Because it's not... It's like somebody... It's like just weird to be in someone else's family. Like you just don't feel like... You just feel like they have a whole history and all these relationships. And it's like you're just kind of like they're having dinner and trying to make small talk with them or something. I don't know. And it and it's weird because it's like they want they want to include you in the family vibe, right? But it's like it just it makes me think like I want to be in my family. Where's my mommy? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I don't Andy, why don't you answer that first? Cuz I I mean, I have a I feel like I'm a little bit unique in this way. I so we I have a pretty close family that we hang out not all the time, but we travel to see each other. We go on trips. You know, we're pretty wild and out of control, but we're also like pretty loving and we don't like get in big fights and it's not like super chaotic or drama filled. And I, usually my former girlfriends and my current spouse seem to really enjoy hanging out with my family and feel good about it. And but I guess I'm on your side a little bit, Chris, where I don't I don't necessarily end up spending a ton of time with my spouse's family when i do i enjoy myself and i'm like able to do it i don't feel like the weird adopted child like also eleanor's family like we don't see them a ton and there's some distance yeah there's there's (laughs) distance there and so i'm not put into the position where i have to like uh be with them all the time and eat sunday dinner and try and fit into the family Okay, user aka underscore June underscore Monroe writes, your husband needs to put his foot down or he's going to be like this the rest of his life. He decided to marry you and he needs to put you first. Yeah. Okay. Damn. So we're like, how do you reform this guy? I mean, how do we get like, is this a lost cause or is there a way to get him to understand the the nature mm-hmm. of this dynamic? I mean, it's I would say it's pretty close to being a lost cause, like if we're being real. But if you want to, I mean, you could try to just you have to assume also if he's married to you and he's maybe not telling he maybe he in some way wants to change the dynamic a little bit, too. So maybe he's open to a con, you know, having a conversation with them that's like, hey, you know, we really, really wasn't actually cool that you showed up at my honeymoon, and you really need to respect me a little bit more. But that can be really hard, you know, when your family has a like a set way of interacting with each other to change how you interact with each other is like, even if you mean it well, it's easy for people to get really offended because obviously they don't think that's how you should act, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild that they're like giving her grief on the back end like you took you rolled the the like the wildest of dice rolls and you came up snake eyes and then you're like doubling down on it and being like <laughs> why weren't you cool with that like what you, it's insane to me that that's the situation in here and and that is what tells you too that it's about that it's it is about power because they don't want to just have done it they want to have you like it yeah you know yeah they didn't go back to the States with their tail between their legs and be like, we fucking should have done that. That was stupid. I mean, I think it's pretty wild. I mean, what do you think, Eleanor? Is there, is there like, 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 do you think you can change him? I mean, I always think people can change. 
my best relationships, I guess, have been relationships where that change is possible and you've seen it and we've worked, you know, it's like Andy and I have changed a ton in our relationship. You know, when you don't know yourself very well and you're, you're relying on your partner to kind of help you manage your own dynamic in new relationships. Like, I just think that it, it's really hard to be clear about what your expectations are with your partner and be, and say like, what I need from you in this moment is to be honest with me about what you want because you may not mind them coming. We should just get that out in the open because I do. And we should like be able to manage the situation from both of our needs being met. And if you really do mind them coming, I do need you to be more supportive in these moments because it feels shitty to be told that I'm being a dick when I feel like we're both setting pretty natural boundaries. This might just feel like a little bit too immature to be able to have that conversation yet. Like you don't, yes, you're, husband is maybe not super confrontational, but like you can still tell him this is what I need from their marriage. I was going to say, Chris, have you ever been in a relationship where there was like an irreconcilable difference either because of your family's relationship with the partner or your relationship with the family? Well, you see, the thing about me is I'm mostly, I'm actually like a really good boy (laughs) and I'm the number one best kid in the whole world. So yeah, it's broken up every single relationship ever. (laughs) I just want to be a good boy. I want everybody's mommies and daddies to like me a lot. I maybe would want to like not spend too much time doing it, but I would definitely always be like as polite as I could possibly be. Eleanor, you said something interesting about them being immature. And one thing that is not in this question is these people's ages. And that could drastically change my opinion of this. Like, what if these people are 23? And this happened. Like, maybe I don't mind their parents coming, you know? Maybe the reason they took a month-long honeymoon is that their their senior year of college is about to start, you know? Like, yeah, no, right. a thousand percent. That's actually a really good point. And then, is it weird their parents came? No. Their parents probably wanted to make sure you didn't, like, burn the house down, you know? like. I, I do want to respect that whether you're 25 or 45, build the skill sets necessary to have open dialogue in your marriage. And then... I do agree. Look at your marriage as a unit outside of your other family units. As soon as you start code, like making them codependent and and they're like integrated in these ways that are really hard to entangle, then it gets messy. And you can't actually say, hey, we we are making this decision. It's sort of like, well, my wife is making this decision and like I'm going along with her. Like that stuff would make me crazy. I would just be like, you're not, this is not. I'm not a weird like stepchild, like I'm your wife. So I do think I want them to, if they're 25 and they're freaking, you know, just going into grad school or something, I want them to learn these skills quick because that's marriage is going to be a lot of this discord. And if it's, they're 45, like we've got a whole other slew of problems because if they were 45, it would be so crazy. Okay, so we're going to hear from our fresh, our friend of the pod, Christian, who is going to give us his take on this question. Boy, oh boy, what a spicy meatball of a situation. Uh, before we dive in, I'll be, let me establish the players. I'll be referring to the honeymooners as Stacy and Biff and the mother and father-in-law as Daphne and Wayne. 
So, Stacy, first off, on paper, you're correct. You should not interrupt somebody's honeymoon. That should be pretty understood by most people. I'm pretty sure honeymoons originally were existed to uh, consummate the marriage and make babies. That's a private activity. But as far as Daphne and Wayne go, they believe that, hey, we own this house. Why wouldn't we participate in this? More than likely, I think what we have is one person versus a family unit. Biff is called non-confrontational slash respectful. I think another way you could possibly interpret that is lazy and takes the path of least resistance. You know, he's not standing up to his parents and he's not standing up for Stacy either. He's just kind of hanging out. So I think Daphne and Wayne believe Biff's on their side because they're an established family unit. They've been chugging along for the decades. They've made it this far and Biff doesn't complain to them. So why wouldn't they be right? And after all, they own the house and they made the Biff. So, hey, why don't I participate in this party? Uh, tough situation. Um, Stacy, they called you overly sensitive. That's not fun. Nobody likes that. I've been called overly sensitive myself. And at first it really offended me. But over the years, I realized that actually is accurate. It's not, I don't like to be called sensitive. I wish people would say hyper alert or super aware. And Stacy, if that's you and you are sensitive to situations, I think you need to be aware of that. Um, I think the only way out of this is a long talk with Biff. You got to talk to him and he's got to stand up to Daphne and Wayne. And Biff needs to really express himself. Either Biff needs to say, hey, Stacy, I'm on my parents' side. I think you're being a pain in the butt. Or Biff needs to set, needs to stand up to his parents and be like, hey, Daphne Wayne, Stacy's my number one girl and a lover and she's right. And you need to respect her opinion. And we're starting a life together. When you marry someone, you marry their family too. And so you may have shot yourself in the foot a little bit here by not doing this due diligence before the honeymoon. So yeah, good luck, Stacy. You got a tough road ahead of you, but anything's possible and communication is a key. And big thanks to the lovely Eleanor and gentlemanly Andy for letting me participate in your Fresh Out of Experts. This has been fun and thank you. Wow, what a professional sounding person. That was great. That was fantastic. <laughs> That's his podcasting reel. That's his reel. Uh, yeah, I think the only thing that Christian brings up that I I do I don't think we quite touched on is I don't want to assume that the OP is being high maintenance or difficult. But she couldn't. Yeah. I mean, it's true. We are like real because it's such an outlandish situation. You have to give her the benefit of the doubt. But I mean, I will say the way she said, like, you know, my husband wasn't standing up for me. So I felt I had to share my feelings on the situation. That's a phrase that could mean a lot of different things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. She might have like calmly said something intelligent to them, or she might have like screamed at them in the middle of dinner and like stormed off, you know? There's something to be said for what your tactic has been, Chris, which has also been mine. I don't get in the weeds until the very last minute. Yeah. You know, like I'm not, I'm not, it wasn't the, it wasn't the first night I was at dinner with my Japanese father-in-law that I decided to get up and like toss the meal in the garbage disposal. It was, you know, a year into the relationship and living with him for nine months that I was like, you know, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Like this yeah. is my moment to take a stand. And I think, you got like, I, I think you got to choose your battles. And if they've been saying often that this person is sensitive and difficult, like 
then that means there have been other confrontations in this forging of a relationship that have stood out to them as well. And so I might like I might caution you're not going to win every in-law battle. Pick and choose them. Yeah, I also I do think that if you your relationships with one person or a set of people could mirror other relationships in your life as well. Like if this husband is is not establishing boundaries and is being kind of controlled and walked all over by his parents is that happening with mm. the original poster as well like it very well could be she could loathe the same things in his relationship with his parents as the same things she prizes in her relationship with biff and you know i've seen it many many times when people dislike families and families dislike partners Oftentimes, it's because they're competing for a very similar style relationship. Andy, that was fucking genius. That was <laughs> genius stuff. <laughs> yes, of course, you're right. Like, she must be the... She's mad because usually she gets to tell him what to do, you know? But now the parents are doing that. Right. Yeah. And you sought out... You know, Biff sought out a, probably a similar relationship that his parents have or he has with his parents. Not to get too personal, Chris, but how much alike as Catherine to either of your parents? Um, actually, she looks exactly like my dad's sexiest <laughs> book. <laughs> um, no, I, um, Catherine is very different. I think the kind of person that I've cultivated being since leaving home and moving to New York is like very different than the way my family is. Like not 100% different. I have lots of stuff in common. Like I am always like, I argue about stuff too much and I talk all the time and I stay up late to watch TV. But like, you know, when it comes to like the way I interact and the way I handle situations, like Catherine and I are on very much on the same page. Actually, it's very weird. Like we kind of boss the family around when we go down. We tell everybody what to do. And I make a lot of the food <laughs> at Christmas, almost all of it. And um, I like when we need to order dinner, I'm like, come on, everybody, we have to order dinner. Like, are you guys going to pick something? Here's this restaurant I found. What do you want? I think you would enjoy this. <laughs> Amazing. So you guys are parenting the rest of the family. These are hard dynamics to change. They just are. And we all, I mean, maybe not all, but most of us regress a little bit when we're with our parents. We're not our fully realized selves. And so if in this situation... You're like, this sucks. When I do see him with his parents, the dynamic shifts and I get a little bit perturbed, like fine, maybe you limit or, you know, consolidate the amounts of times you have to do that with his family. But you're gonna probably see that forever. That's like just not gonna go away. So you're gonna have to decide like, where do you where does that line live for you? And I think, Andy, I think we found a good way of of managing where for the most part, I acknowledge that Annie's a different person when he's with his family. <laughs> like he is... And you give me some grace. <laughs> wild and loud and un inattentive. And uh, yeah, and it's like I have to... I'm just like, this is a... I, I get kind of have used that to my benefit. I'm like, okay, now when we're on vacation and Andy's going crazy and like very social and out, like always wants to be out socializing, <laughs> I... Like I sleep in, <laughs> I go get a massage. <laughs> like I just take totally. it as my own time because I'm like, this is his time to be with his family. And he's a different, he's a different partner during that period. Yeah. And it does, you know, like that you're hundred percent right about reverting back to your childhood. And I always took it as like, I need, I need to like stop that. And I, I can't get into this way, but it, it's like, it's really fucking hard not to. I, I'm like looked at as like, oh, you're the special kid, but you're also like the one that nobody wants to hear from and you're not making any decisions, period. And that's fucking hard, especially for my partner who likes to make decisions and wants autonomy over themselves, especially a person who's an only child who grew up with a single mother. Like she's always had autonomy over herself and to have 
to put her needs behind like 10 other people every time we do anything fucking sucks and i'm used to it and i like take on my childhood of like you know yelling for attention and things like that but it is it's really hard and and eleanor has been really nice to give me grace in those moments and learned how to like carve out her own time and and feel good in those situations i'm a saint yeah <laughs> what can i say saint eleanor <laughs> Okay, so so at the end of the day, is she the asshole? 100% not. 100% she is not the asshole. It's a crazy situation. It's the kind of thing they write movies about. It's the kind of thing you should know you shouldn't do no matter what the rest of the situation is. Barring, like I was saying, if she like knocked the table over at Carabas and like poured white wine <laughs> on the floor. Like Carabas. maybe then she's the God, that's sacred Carabas. God, that is cinematic if I ever heard it. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. She is not the she's not the asshole. I don't know how you could call her the asshole in this situation, especially the situation she laid out. Now I'm not gonna say that there might be other things going on in this relationship that like mitigate the behavior of her of other people, but I, I think on its face it's pretty easy to say she is not the asshole. Great. Chris, can you tell us about 30 Years Later? Yeah, so uh, I have a show with my friend Ricky Camilleri, who was a host for a long time on AOL Build and is, you know, he's he's actually working on a screenplay right now. It's going very well. But we, so we have this show where we have on, we've had David Reese has been on the show, Jamie Loftus. We've had a bunch of writers and critics and film world people from New York Times, Vanity Fair, Sundance come on to talk with us about movies. We try to line it up exactly with movies that came out 30 years ago this week. Our latest episode kind of breaks that rule a little bit. It's about Deep Cover, which is a fantastic movie if you've never seen it. We try to talk about movies that are like not the number one most remembered movies, but movies that are are real classics in, in their own way. And we talk about ways the film business and America has changed for good and for bad in, in the time since these movies came out. And it's been really interesting. And I've seen lots of movies I, I always saw on the shelf at Blockbuster, but never actually watched. And it's been really fun. Uh, the first episode I listened to with <laughs> JFK. Oh, my God. Oh my god! And I had never seen JFK before. And I get, I get like twenty minutes in, and you guys are like, "If you have not seen this movie, stop listening to this because, like, this is a psychedelic trip that you can't go on without watching it." And then I listened to your entire episode, and I am bewildered and shocked and in awe. It's funny All that you should listen to that one because that is the one that almost ended the podcast and our our friendship between me and Ricky because he believes so strongly, and you know, I would say conspiracy theories, <laughs> but he would put it differently. <laughs> around the and i just kept saying like i just don't believe in that ricky i'm sorry and he's like what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> i lo i loved that episode so so you made great art from the pain thank you that is kind of the goal we had this breakthrough afterwards where i was like ricky us being miserable and arguing is part of the appeal of the show and i know it's unpleasant to go through but it's makes for entertaining audio so we just have to put up with it it's called 30 Years Later. You can find it on Apple, on Spotify, and you can follow me on Twitter at Gentleman's Times. That's singular possessive, Gentleman's Times. Uh, or the show is at uh, it's at Later 30 Pod, I think. Something like that. <laughs> Look it up. Just follow me. Don't worry about the show. I'm going to like just put a Google search into the show notes so people can kind of go wherever they want from that general it should say exactly deal. later 30 pod i think question mark that should be the <laughs> google search okay. perfect all right andy what do you have to promote my book 
Go out and buy it. I uh, pitched it last episode. I'm going to pitch it again, and I'm probably going to pitch it next episode. Uh, the Lost Migration, you can find it on barnesandnobles.com. You can find it on amazon.com. I think it's barnesandnoble.com. But we what did I say? You said nobles, but it's okay. We'll send them there, too. They're going to be all it's, over the That's internet. the indie version, so maybe buy that. Maybe support Look, if Barnes & Noble doesn't own the URL for Barnes & Nobles and have it redirect to them, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they're still brick and mortar. That's all they got. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't have anything else. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, enjoy the pod. Go listen to 30 Years Later. Start with JFK. <laughs> oh my God, please don't. Okay, wait. One last question, Chris. What is what is the Gateway episode? What would you recommend if oh. first-time listeners want to listen to the pod? Oh, shit. So we did White Men Can't Jump with uh, the hosts of the Hit Factory podcast a few weeks ago. That was a really great episode that's a really fun movie and they're great guests and we had a we had a really good time on that episode that's just recently so yeah check it out white men can't jump great movie awesome Love it. well thanks so much chris thank you guys so much for having me on this was really fun i really appreciate it you both seem very intelligent and wise and i'm <laughs> you know humbled to be in your presence and i thank you again for inviting me on <laughs> that is the best compliment we could have ever gotten <laughs> we got we got some pretty hard feedback today from pat some listeners that were like you guys don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So <laughs> hopefully this redeems us. It probably won't. But thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Thank I can't you. wait to have you back. Thanks, Chris. Fresh Out of Experts is a production of Narrowest, a podcast network dedicated to sound inquiry. You can find out more about the show at narrowest.news and at narrowest on social. That's N-A-R. R-O-W-I-S-T. Our theme music is Only Knows, courtesy of Broke for Free. Additional music is Chill Reggae by Plastic 3. If you enjoy Fresh Out of Experts, please subscribe, rate, or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does make a difference. See you next time.